0: Steps into it. Passes. Caught. Diggs. Side Touchdown. Unbelievable. Welcome back to The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we've got a chucked off-season show for you here. Uh, We're going to start off with Kirk Cousins. Uh, There's been some news circulating uh, as of this recording, a couple hours ago, that uh, Kyle Shanahan is still interested in Kirk Cousins. So we will spend far too much time discussing that than absolutely necessary, because it is the off-season. Then we'll talk a little bit about Andrew Sandeo, and the Vikings have voiced their interest in re signing the veteran safety. So we'll talk a little bit about what that means for the team, uh, Sandeo himself, and of course Anthony Harris, who everyone still has an eye on. Um, And then we'll finish up here with the fun game of keep, cut, and restructure. And we'll mention a little bit on David Morgan and his contract tolling over. Um, We'll explain what a contract toll is for those of you who aren't familiar. Uh, So that's the game plan for today. Uh, and then uh, next week we'll jump deeper into the NFL draft and free agency. But I'm sure I'll talk about that for too long at the end of the show anyway. So there's that. Uh, let's jump in here, starting with Kirk Cousins. Um, so since I was at work all day on phone calls, I actually missed this report. So, Drew, please uh, fill us in on what is going on with Kirk Cousins and Mr. Shanahan.
1: Yeah, so on Get Up today on ESPN, um, Mike Greenberg was uh, going through – a trade scenario talking about Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo potentially switching teams um, which would be perfect by the way but then Diana Rossini um, was also on the show and she kind of at first held back but then uh, kind of ch- chimed in with this thought that well I think the 49ers aren't interested in Brady because they're interested in another quarterback uh, and that's Kirk Cousins he plays in Minnesota And So it sounds like you know, there's it's it's it sounds like this is more of a common knowledge thing across the league versus something That's just like brand new coming up, right? And I think people have linked Shanahan to Cousins before you know, obviously they worked together in Washington And then even when he went to San Fran, there was this idea that When Kirk could get out of Washington that San Fran was an ideal landing spot and then the Niners traded for Garoppolo which may or may not have been Shanahan's decision, so there seems to be this idea that Shanahan, you know, prefers Cousins over Garoppolo, and he hasn't really gotten his chance to have his quarterback in there um, under his system. And he's, you know, maybe he's thinking that Cousins can be the guy take him over the top. Uh, now, of course, as, as Twitter is, you know, now the Vikings Twitter segment of the website is running wild with the scenarios here and trying to think of different ways to get Cousins out of there. But my. My thought here is, A, like, Cousins has a no-trade clause, so he can definitely – he can just say no to that if he would like – that to whole
0: win. thing's dead right there.
1: Right, right. Now, if he were to say yes, and maybe he does want to get back and work with Shanahan in, in this hypothetical scenario, um, the Vikings then have to take on Jimmy G because there's no way a trade works where – I mean, the Niners aren't going to be paying their quarterbacks $60 million. So you need – the Vikings would be taking Jimmy G in that scenario. And that is the most lateral quarterback – swap of all time because they're more or less the same guy so uh, it it, it's fun speculation it's the offseason uh but what i would be interested in if this were to expand into something would be now you you, if you get a three-team swaparoo there with brady and new england and grapple and cousins and that would really blow things up because it sounds like that's part of this whole that's what where does, this whole thing was a Brady Garoppolo swap
0: where does Brady go in that scenario does Brady come to Minnesota in that scenario that's that was my <laughs> thought like,
1: so you, then you send Garoppolo to New England you send Cousins to San Francisco and then Brady ends up in Minnesota for a year uh, or two or whatever it is uh to kind of make that Super Bowl run and then uh that could be the end of the I mean, that's, that would probably run into the end of the Spielman-Zimmer era in Minnesota, and then you start over after Brady's done. But that's all. It, it This is definitely all hypothetical at this point.
0: Okay, but we're going to draw this out far too long for the sake of content in the offseason. So yes. <clears throat> here's my first question for you. If the scenario occurs where you are switching Kirk Cousins, you're flipping Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo straight up in, in theory since um, – I guess Kirk Cousins is probably the more accomplished quarter. Well, I mean, this is that's kind, of, kind of interesting. Depends on what you think accomplished is. There probably would be some draft picks involved too, because Shanahan would be getting his guy. I assume San Francisco would have to fork over some sort of um, additional mm-hmm. compensation in order to make that happen. It, this is all assuming that this could even happen, which uh, we've already kind of laid the found work of the groundwork that it's it's not going to happen. There's really no way um, that it could. But theoretically if Kirk Cousins says let's do this deal and the Vikings agree all right Jimmy Garoppolo that's the guy do you agree with that notion that Jimmy Garoppolo puts the Vikings in a better situation not just next year in 2020 but also into the future than Kirk Cousins does
1: no i mean i don't think so um, i either. i think i think Jimmy G i mean they're the same guy like they oh they're both accurate on when they they're both very accurate when they have a clean pocket, right? And then right. I think it's when things break down, for both of them is when things get fishy, where accuracy becomes questionable, decision making becomes questionable, uh, and I think both guys need a stellar offensive line to really be seen, you know, to reach their potential. So they're the same, so same quarterback, which, not and then you throw in the like, now you got to get. Garoppolo accustomed to a new system, and it sounds like the Vikings really like this match of Cousins and Kubiak together for 2020. So, it's not very realistic unless, again, there was a a high draft pick or two involved from San Francisco. I I don't think the Vikings would do it. Now, I don't know how much Shanahan wants Cousins. Um, I mean, I can, like we've said, can totally understand his you know on his side that he would like to play or excuse me, like to coach Kirk after. Uh, working with him in Washington. I don't know how strong that feeling is, uh, but uh, it just, it, it would—it seems to me based on just the two quarterbacks, it would be the most lateral, like average swap. Nothing would be gained. Nothing would be lost. Move ever. Um, it, it's almost like, uh, oh, I wouldn't say that. that. That's probably an insult to Jay Cutler. I was thinking of the Kyle Orton, Jay Cutler swap back in the day, but it might be an insult to Jay Cutler, but, but that's, I mean, either way, neither of those teams really accomplished anything by by making that swap, it would be similar to that.
0: So, Cousins, we know... what may, I guess what gives this wings or legs, I suppose, is just simply the fact that Cousins has worked with Shanahan before. Cousins is very adept in working in a West Coast scheme with a heavy rushing attack. That's what he does best. But that's what the Vikings have now. So, is this... This is, again, another absurd question, but is, this, is Kirk Cousins, as we know him today... Is he good enough to put the San Francisco 49ers over the top? Like is he enough better than Jimmy Garoppolo that if they get to the Super Bowl again next year, which as we've seen in the past is almost almost never happens from a team that actually shows up there if they're not the Patriots? Does he put them over the top?
1: Probably not. I mean, I I think Kirk has more like offensive like like firepower to carry a team when Things are going wrong, I because would say. If you,
0: if you think about that Super, this past Super Bowl, I think that Kirk Cousins, with the exception of the fact that we have this kind of uh, unfair perception that Cousins can't do it in big-time moments, I don't think he misthrows that ball to Emmanuel Sanders downfield. I don't think he misses that throw. Yeah. Again, this is very situational. I don't know the answer to that. I'm just thinking, based off of what I've seen from Kirk Cousins throwing deep while he's been with the Vikings over the last couple of years, one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the league, I feel like he hits that shot downfield. I feel like there's a couple of other plays that Garoppolo missed, not necessarily because he's not good enough, maybe because he didn't read the defense well enough, and that's kind of an experience thing. And three more years, in the league is which with uh, what Cousins has versus Garoppolo. That's really the only thing that he has on him. And honestly, most people see 28 versus 31. They'll take 28 every time. So, I mean, if you're San Francisco and you're trying to win the Super Bowl over the next three years here, and you can get Cousins – for the last remaining year of his deal, again completely hypothetical, and then you have to re-sign him, and you probably have to pay him, you know, the most money in the league again. Are you really putting yourself in the best position to win? And I think the answer to that is a, a resounding no. I don't, I, I don't well, think you it, are.
1: I think it's, it, and maybe this is unfair to Jimmy, but at the, you know, what the Niners had to do to get to the Super Bowl in the playoffs this year. So they, I mean, they got the one seed by literally an inch in that Week 17 game against Seattle, right? And then, um, you know, their first playoff game is against the Vikings, and Jimmy G didn't really play that well. I mean, it wasn't that he had to do a whole lot. He, he didn't, threw like
0: fourteen passes, didn't he?
1: Right, he didn't throw it all, and the I mean, he threw that bad interception to Kendricks, which was actually a great play by Kendricks, but didn't light it up by any means, right? And then the Niners still de- destroyed the Vikings. That was not really his doing. It just happened that way because of how solid the defense is, how much the Vikings kind of crumbled in the big moment there. Next game. Packers he throws eight passes and they just destroy the Packers you know so he's not he wasn't really I mean that was kind of the uh microcosm of the season where he wasn't really the big piece to the puzzle for the 49ers winning games uh and so I I think there's this perception that Jimmy G's not that good or he was kind of carried by the rest of the team and I think Kirk has a little bit more of that ability to carry a team on his back when necessary and again I don't think it's a, he has that to this extreme level but I think it, there's more of that there the Denver game this year is kind of the example I'm going to go to for that Right. Uh, and I don't think Jimmy G quite has that and maybe that's enough to get the Niners over the top uh, I don't know for sure but that's again this is speculation here
0: <laughs> how many times do we need to say that before I
1: just want to clarify that because we need to make sure people understand this is like
0: This is is definitely reckless speculation. That's exactly what this is. Uh, So we haven't spent any time talking about Tom Brady on this show, and rightfully so. He has absolutely no – there's no business talking (laughs) about Tom Brady on a Vikings podcast. But since you brought him up, and since you brought up a scenario that is backed by uh, the credible information of a reporter combined with some loopy fan exaggerated scenario in which Shanahan gets his guy and Kirk Cousins – the Patriots and Bill Belichick get Jimmy Garoppolo back as if he never left, um, this, uh, reportedly the way that uh, Bill Belichick wanted it in the first place, and the odd man out in this scenario ends up being Tom Brady, and he comes to Minnesota. So I want to dump, I want to jump into that and talk about that for a little bit because I think that's hilarious. I've never even Tom Brady's never even been on my radar as a Vikings fan, but in in this scenario, like there's it's not realistic per se, but there's 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 a foundation for. You know, you can have some fun with this, I suppose. And here's here's my thinking here. So first of all, the Vikings have a long, long history of getting quarterbacks well out of their prime at the very end of their career, trying to juice, get the last, squeeze the last ounce of juice out of them. Start with Favre. I mean, you could say it with Cunningham to a degree as well. There's a bunch of other guys in the middle. There. Donovan we,
1: McNabb.
0: Donovan McNabb. Obviously. <laughs> some guys who were a little bit less successful than the pair that I named. The second thing is here, if Tom Brady ultimately wants to leave New England, why does he want to leave? Probably just to, to win without Belichick, right? He wants to go to a situation where he can win. I mean, the Vikings are a fit for that. You replace – I'm not saying I, – I would rather have Kirk Cousins. Let's just get that out there. Tom Brady at 42 is not – I think Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback. However, in this scenario, Vikings probably get some cap relief um, and they get a veteran quarterback who can run an offense with what Tom Brady wants. Weapons. The Vikings have a, a plethora of weapons for him to work with. Compared
1: to what he has been playing with in New England for right. a few years now, I mean right. that's a big these, upgrade for
0: These are the things that he has set on his plate that he wants in order to ret- return to New England. He wants playmakers. He's been linked to Antonio Brown again. I mean, these are the things that Tom Brady has put on his list. The only thing is that he's starting a production company and Minnesota is not exactly the best place to start a production. That's really the only thing on his list here that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me where I would say put him in California or, you know, California, I guess. is really the (laughs) only place. Um, So my question here then is, does Tom Brady – would you like to see Tom Brady in number 12, Percy Harvin's number, playing in (laughs) Minnesota?
1: That's Chad Beebe's number. You better watch it. No. Uh, no um, it, it would be I, I'm I'm here for the um, the like attention that the Vikings would get. That's always a thrill. Because I remember right, the best part Favre. about the Favre thing was like yeah. how much the Vikings were just talked about over and over. And my roommate is a Titans fan, and so now he's been going through the the Brady speculation Friegel. and it's yeah. just been it's been fun for him to see you know the Titans are talked about all the time on all these talk shows and getting all this attention especially after an AFC Championship run. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I'm agreeing with you in that I think Brady kind of is, you know, over the over the hill. I don't know if he has um, that much left in the tank. I don't know if it's an upgrade over Kirk. Uh, but for what it's worth, you know, if for those of you that have the doubts about the... You know Kirk in the big games and Kirk winning in the playoffs. Like there you go. Yeah. There's nobody that has ever done it better than Tom Brady. So true. if you're having that doubt, then Brady would be that guy, and maybe, uh, maybe he'd be the the one to kind of step up in those clutch moments, and make the plays needed.
0: Because you get you get either way, you're getting a quarterback on a one year deal essentially, right? Kirk Cousins entering the final year of his contract. Tom Brady's entering probably the final year of his career. Um, and you hit the reset button. No matter essentially, no matter what. Um, the difference being, of course, that if you stay with Kirk Cousins, stay the course, and, you know, he goes on and wins 12 games or something like that, you're probably resigning him long term. Whereas if Brady were to do the exact same thing, uh, he's probably still going to retire. I mean, he's like 600 years old. Like, it's it's, it's <laughs> over for Tom Brady. It's over. Uh, but you get the one year of wonder and awe of playing with Tom Brady. And that would be, like, that would be interesting because of what you said with the clutch moments. Because, of course, like, who – I still trust – Brady, more than just about every quarterback that's not Russell Wilson or maybe Aaron Rodgers in the league right now in the two-minute drill, just because he's he knows everything about the league. It's like when Peyton Manning was at the end of his career. like He could literally diagnose a defense in half yeah. a second. He could,
1: he could throw the ball about 25 yards, but he you know, would put it in the perfect spot. Exactly. Exactly what was coming on the other
0: side. And that's of the what Brady could do at this point in his career, which is it still works in this league because most quarterbacks can't diagnose a defense in five seconds, let alone a quarter of a second. So I, I think it's funny to entertain, and I think that I would enjoy having Tom Brady in purple. Again, this is completely ridiculous, and I, if that ended up <laughs> happening, I mean, I would I, all you'd have to do in that situation is laugh. Because just you think about all the hurdles that have to go, they oh, yeah. have to get to get to this point. I mean, it would
1: would have to be a three-team trade, right? You'd have to go – it'd have to be – That doesn't happen in the NFL, by the way. Uh, It would be – for content, it would be great if New England got Jimmy G back after sending him off with that trade and then Bill Belichick gets him back. and That'd be awesome uh, just for that. But then that three-team trade, I mean, (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And, again, I don't think Tom is – a massive upgrade. I don't think he's an upgrade at all, really, over Kirk or Jimmy G at this point, just because of where he's at in his career. But uh, for those of you again that are stuck on that that uh, that hill of Kirk can't win in the big games, Kirk doesn't or underperforms in the big spots. No better uh, you know uh, quarterback to replace him than Tom Brady, I would assume. So it's interesting to think about uh but 99.9 percent uh possibility that uh, kirk remains the viking starting quarterback for 2020 and it's probable that you know or not probable it's very i guess likely it's possible that uh kirk ends up signing an extension and this whole conversation is moot anyway
0: i would i would say that probably seems to be on the horizon um speaking of re-signing contracts let's transition here into andrew sandejo um those of you who have been listening to me talk about the Vikings for, for several years now, you're well aware of my sentiments and feelings about Anderson Dejo. And I think I share those with Drew for the most part. But uh, the Vikings, for whatever reason, he is the guy that they just can't quit. They, try, You know, he signs with Philadelphia. Philadelphia cuts him, and sure enough, he's back in Minnesota. And really, honestly, he played very well towards the back end of last season um, situationally. He was asked to do some things that he's not typically expected to do. And quite quite honestly with you, I didn't think he could do some of the things that he was doing, you know, covering tight ends, playing the slot corner position, playing zone safety at an effective, you know, above replacement level, level, I suppose. Uh, these are things that, that happened when he was, you know, what, 33 years old, 32 years old last year? And yet uh, now with the situation with Anthony Harris where – all signs are pointing to him being gone. Um, I don't know how much you buy into Paul Allen as a reporter, but he suggested that he feels unlikely. Uh, seems It feels that it is unlikely that Anthony Harris will return. Uh, and I think that we've already put the numbers out there for you guys to suggest that it probably isn't going to happen, no matter how much we want him to. Are you okay with Andrew Sandeo coming back? Do you want – better question. Do you want Andrew Sandejo to come back? Because you know what that means. You do know what that means, right? If the Vikings bring him back, he is starting at safety week one no matter what next year. That's happening next year because that's what Mike Zimmer does. No matter who they draft, no matter how great the rookie is, I don't care if it's Antoine Winfield or someone else, Andrew Sandejo will be playing opposite Harrison Smith week one next season because that is who Mike Zimmer is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it, sure. As long – I mean, if that's – if this is kind of the nail in the coffin for Harris then I suppose it's nice to have a guy with continuity or you know you can keep things kind of as they have been uh, a guy that's familiar with Zimmer defense uh, and I mean to his credit he's learned how to do a lot of different things besides just play the safety position like they he like you said covers tight ends played slot corner in that division or in that playoff game against the Saints now. right he played slot corner in that defensive or in that game against the Saints and was tremendous uh, in that effort so his credit I mean it's not like he's not a scrub or anything um, and he definitely kind of uh, especially in 2017 was kind of his really sort of breakout year and becoming a pretty solid rock uh, rock solid starting safety in the NFL so it's not like he's a scrub he can still play it's gonna be a downgrade from Harris for sure but uh, at a cheaper price it's it's fine you know it but you know when you have Sandejo and Smith out there versus Harrison Smith I meant Anthony Harris and Smith Right, uh, you right. have to really upgrade your cornerback position because I think where the Vikings will get hurt without Harris in the in the uh, secondary is on those one-on-one situations where the receivers beat the corners deep down the field. And uh, I don't think Sunday Hill will be all over those deep passes the same way
0: Harris was. Doesn't really have the makeup speed. The instincts are still there to a degree. I mean, he's always been... You know, he's always been pretty instinctual, and that's why he clubs so he's many. Aggressive. Of, yeah, he's aggressive. Yeah, very, very aggressive for sure. He's the type of guy that's going to get burned deep on those plays that you just noted. So, uh, let me ask you this then: Would you rather? What scenario would you rather have? Taking in all the information, Anthony Harris at twelve million dollars per year over the next say four years, and we'll just use an average number just because I don't want to do math: twelve million over the next four years, or you get answer Anderson Day on a one-year contract. For two million dollars plus a second-round rookie safety, which scenario would you rather have?
1: I uh, probably, probably Harris. Uh, especially now that I mean, because you have Harrison Smith, right? And I think if you can lock up that duo for that period of time, three to four extra years here through probably twenty twenty-four, I think it is 2023, twenty-three, twenty-three. Trying to remember where how long Harrison Smith's deal is, but um, that I think really takes pressure off their cornerbacks, and that's the the key missing piece right now to the similar right. defense i would agree with that. that that whole position is um kind of being reworked it's going to start over mike hughes might be the only guy left from last year so that whole position is going to be reworked and maybe they find a gem or two in the draft or free agency and um it's right back to 2016 2017 status maybe uh, but that seems doubtful at this point and i think it's more of a sure thing if you bring back harris and you have the safety position and kind of the, the back end of the secondary and also get that um, you got ha- Harrison Smith playing sort of where he likes to play in the box. Right. You have that solidified. And then from there, it's just kind of developing these young cornerbacks that you're going to bring in at some point here while you have that protection over the top.
0: So we've talked about in the past that this, this is probably the Viking. This is probably the last win, like last chance for the Mike Zimmer era to really get something done. I, I don't see the Wolves firing Spielman and Zimmer if they win win 12 games and go one and one in the postseason. I just the Wolves are not a, a quick fire team. Right. Uh, but th- this is really the last chance for them to do some damage here. Like if they go and miss
1: the playoffs, are done.
0: Right. I would agree. So if you're Mike Zimmer and you're thinking about, okay, what situation is going to guarantee me the most wins? Obviously, there's no guarantees in the NFL, but what's what's the highest percentage of the most wins? You find a way to keep Anthony Harris in this, in this situation. Because like you said- You want
1: to maximize your floor.
0: Absolutely. And maximizing the floor is keeping that safety position strong because of what you said about the cornerback position. You don't know what you're getting. Like Mike Hughes might be the best cornerback in the NFL next year. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying it's plausible because third-year corners, that seems to be when they turn, turn it, like, kind of turn it on and you start mentioning them with the top five. That's possible, but then you've got, you know, Holton Hill who can't stay on the field because he loves to smoke weed. And then you've got Mackenzie Alexander who's probably not going to be back, Trey Waynes who's probably not going to be back. You've got holes all over that position, and you've got no real filler. I mean, Chris Boyd might be starting games right now. Do you want that? And better yet, do you want that with Anderson Dejo over the top of him? Probably not. Now, if I told you that you could have Chris Boyd starting in, you know, in, in my thinking here, you'd have Mike Hughes and Chris Boyd on the outside, and you'd slide Holton Hill into the slot. I'm not certain that that would work effectively, but that's kind of where we're at based off of this depth chart, what makes the most sense in my head. If you could slot Antoine Winfield in there at safety – which I know all of you guys love because a lot of you guys are Minnesota fans, and if you're not Minnesota fans, you're Big Ten fans. Then you get to save a little bit of money; you get like ten more million dollars, basically. And then you've got Andrew Sandeo to kind of fill in, in in a slot in a slot position. That sounds really good from 2021 and beyond. That does not sound too good in 2020 to me. Yeah, well,
1: and, and that's the that's the debate here too. Is um, you know we have to look at this. Like, we're kind of looking at this from the Zimmer-Spielman perspective. Like, they are trying to keep their jobs as well. Whereas, what's best for the franchise? You know, maybe it is what you're talking about there with the Winfield uh, and Sandejo, kind of both of them coming in. Uh, But I'm kind of – I've already kind of thrown myself kind of all into this 2020, like, Super Bowl or bust type of – Right. I'm there with you. – philosophy because, you know, I think this team has sort of one – good shot left at contending for something and then it's time to start over if they don't and so that's why I'm kind of team bring back Anthony Harris because kind of bring back use every resource you can bring them all back uh run it back one more time and if it doesn't work out then I think the timing is just right with Kirk's deal to start over on everything kind of rebuild from the ground up 2021 new head coach new potentially new GM and and go that route so that's why I'm kind of bring back Anthony Harris I think you maximize your safety position and maybe you'll luck out on a draft, like a rookie cornerback or or two, or maybe you find some free agent gem that turns out really well, um, in 2020, whatever the case is. But I think that's the best chance you have to win in 2020.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So bring back Anthony Harris if you want to win in 2020. If you're the type of person who's ready for the kind of the soft rebuild that seems to be um, on the horizon here, uh, it might be best to just let him walk and, unfortunately, probably watch him succeed somewhere else because the way that his skill set work works if you get him in the right defensive scheme i mean he is definitely a playmaker and he's definitely a difference maker so uh ultimately i feel like andrew zendayo is coming back that's that's my feeling mm-hmm. here that just seems like a zimmer move that seems like kind of the smart move in order to fill out the roster with like you said before guys who know the scheme the ins and out of it especially when you're getting younger and younger on defense as the we start to see this rollover happen uh Let's talk about David Morgan next here, and then we'll finish up with keep cut and restructure. Um, So David Morgan, I've do you guys remember who he is? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird because so David Morgan, obviously a tight end for the Vikings and one of the you know a really really popular human being, not necessarily popular throughout the NFL, but in you know in Minnesota Vikings land. just a really fun guy um, he had the you know the long hair that everyone loved, and he was involved in that modeling competition, which was hilarious and just overall a very likable person uh he wasn't on the field at all last year because he was injured, and so his contract is tolling um, and what that means essentially is that the the contract that he was set to make last season will carry over to this Next season, and he will be under team control on a non-guaranteed contract, and that number, according to Chris Thomason, is seven hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. What makes this interesting is that David Morgan, for as much as I love him as a person, and as I'm sure you guys love him as well, he hasn't really been all that successful in the NFL. He's been qual- he's been a quality blocker, and there's some he's had his moments. But as far as you know, the rest of this tight end depth chart. I don't know how much sense he even makes when you're working on a a non-guaranteed contract. So the Vikings don't have to pay him a thing if they decide to cut him on, you know, what, March 19th is when free agency starts. They don't have to pay him a thing. And there's no proof that he's going to be good when he comes back, or at least up to the level that he was playing at. And this depth chart is getting relatively crowded. So when you look at the situation for David Morgan, I guess the easy question in this here is, do you think that he factors into the Vikings' future?
1: i'd like to say so uh it's like you said there's just so many unknowns this is you know that the coming off injury after how many years like it's i don't want to compare it to the teddy injury because that's way more serious but it's one of those where you just haven't played competitively for so long that you know it's fair for people to question how how he responds when you know the pads are back on and he's hitting people in the mouth again so um Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I do think I I'm, I'm always a big fan, as you know, of kind of that blocking right. niche tight end, and I think Morgan could. He certainly has the skill set for that role, um, but it. I don't know. I who knows? It, it's one of those we'll have to see in training camp if he's kind of ready to, um, ready to compete again, and maybe he doesn't even make it to training camp. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, that's that seems like a realistic possibility. Um, you look at kind of what the, the resume that David Morgan has put forth. He comes from UTSA. That's Texas, San Antonio. Um, small school, obviously. He's already overcame his own set of hurdles just to get to four years' experience, which, by the way, does get him NFL pension under the current CBA. So good for him in that regard. But um, you look at the situation that he's in, right? This is what he's walking back into now. Kyle Rudolph is officially under contract through what? We just talked about the 20, 2023. Right, yeah okay so then you've got then you've got herb Smith jr as well, who I believe his rookie contract will extend him through two thousand twenty three then you've got Tyler Conklin, who has shown flashes especially in big moments um, and has been kind of a weird option for cousins where like he I mean, there, have been, there were multiple games where when the Vikings needed a third and 12 or something like that, they went. C- C- Coughlin
1: shows up. Coughlin shows catch. Weird.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's that's a skill set that Morgan isn't necessarily dependable on even at his max health. Like, he's, he's an outstanding blocker. He's literally the embodiment of – he's like the reincarnation of your guy, Jim Kleinsasser. That's who he is. He's kind of like a – he's a guy who will slip out of the backfield and catch like a four-yard pass and turn it into like a seven-yard gain. He's never going to be a guy that's going to beat you streaking down the field like Smith, Conklin, or even Rudolph has throughout his career. He's going to be the guy that's going to get you a couple extra rushing yards on a great block. Nothing pretty, ever, from David Morgan, other than his hair. And you just look at the situation that he's in. You've also got Brandon Dillon, too, who has really strong uh, athleticism numbers. I just don't see where he fits in, and I know the Vikings like to keep four tight ends, and they've done so in the past. But does it, I don't even know if it makes sense at this point when you look at when you look at this group because Rudolph's going to be your guy; he's going to continue to be your number one. Irv Smith's role is going to continue to increase over the next few years. I, I guarantee he'll be playing more than fifty percent of the snaps by the end of next year. And then you've got Conklin, who I guess is a little bit of a question mark. But like I said, he's in, he's there in the big moments. He plays during the big moments, and he catches big passes in big moments. So where does Morgan fit in? I don't know. The Vikings are a run first team, but where does Morgan fit in when you've got Rudolph looking?
1: That's the only. That's the hope he has is that the Vikings are so heavily run first and that's still zimmer's kind of philosophy is run the ball turn the clock out that way i think that's the one thing that morgan can hold some hope on because i think this is one of the better chances he has uh in the nfl really to have a roster spot is minnesota based on i think that tight end depth chart is still i mean it's not it's it's crowded but i think his skill set is unique enough where i think he could if things fall into place correctly he could find a spot where He's in for a specialized role on certain in certain formations, certain packages, whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, it's certainly it's going to certainly depend on how he looks training camp preseason if he makes it that far.
0: Yeah, just to keep in mind on David Morgan, that was his second knee surgery, by the way. And this is keeping in mind, of course, that this is a guy who relative to an NFL caliber player does not necessarily move all that well to begin with. So two knee surgeries, he's not even certain 100% he's confident, not certain that he'll be ready for training camp. So something to keep an eye on with David Morgan. Uh, He is under team control because of that toll. um, And he is on a non-guaranteed contract. So if he doesn't look good, the Vikings, you know, for the, the, for the franchise's sake, uh, that's another close to a million dollars they could potentially be saving. um, You know, whether it's sooner rather than later or later rather than sooner, we'll see. Uh, So that's all we've got in terms of news. I want to finish up here with the little game. And I think this is a segment that you can basically do once a year. So this is the Keep, Cut, and Restructure podcast. Um, And this is the optimal year, honestly, for this little game because of the situation the Vikings are in. I've got three quality candidates and one that I feel like is probably a little less iffy, I suppose. And we'll go through each one of them. I'll give you the guaranteed salaries. That, they, that the Vikings will need to pay regardless, and I uh, will decide whether or not to keep cut or restructure. And I'll start with the biggest name on this list, and that's Xavier Rhodes. He stands in here with $4.8 million guaranteed in dead cap next year that the Vikings have to pay. And then in 2021, the Vikings always ha- also have to pay him $2.4 million. So by cutting Xavier Rhodes, you are saving a plethora of money heading into next season. However, you will assume 7. Two million dollars in dead cap space over the next two seasons. Keep, cut, or restructure for Xavier Rhodes.
1: I am um, cutting him, and I think I think it's even still, even still incurring that much dead money. Um, I think it's it's just I, I can't believe the drop off that I've seen. Yeah. And uh, the what's this, What's the salary for twenty twenty?
0: I believe it's twelve point five. I'll Double something. check as you keep. It talking. might
1: be. It might be up to thirteen, but. That's just it's that's a lot of valuable dollars, and your number one cornerback should not be performing like that. Uh, so I think you allocate that to either finding someone in free agency like uh, Chris Harris or something else along the the roster, whatever it may be. But you, you just can't be playing a guy to get burned, toasted, giving up a high passer rating the way he is um, when it's you know $12, 13 million dollars. And it, it's sad. I, I I wish we hadn't haven't uh, you know I wish we didn't have to see that drop off in in performance, but it certainly has happened and it's I think it's past the point now where he's getting he's had enough chances
0: yeah I would definitely agree with you that he d- has had enough chances uh, that number is 12.9 million dollars so in terms of what the Vikings would be saving in this year um, it's 8.1 million dollars total yeah that's um, significant that's a pretty significant amount of money and that probably covers an Anthony Harris contract for the first year assuming that Brzezinski is able to kind of finesse it a little bit uh, and make it work over you know, the span of a you know probably four or five years. Um I am also out with Xavier Rhodes, I say cut. Um and that goes against uh my moral interest as a Vikings fan and, and as a Xavier Rhodes fan. I don't want to see him go, but I think you point the point you made about him having enough chances is brilliant. That's honestly that's all you really need to know. I mean, he started flailing in the end of the 2018 season where we started having some question marks and heading into you know this past season. I think all of us were feel, you know, feeling pretty good about Rhodes, and then by like week three, it felt like, by the mm-hmm. Packers game, it was just like we need to find a way to not have him be the weakest link on this defense. And you can't pay the weakest link on your defense 12.9 million dollars. Even if you have to suck it up and you know take on 7.2 million dollars, you're still saving over the course of those next two years. I believe it's you know, 22, so about 15 million dollars over the next two years i'm like i'm sorry i i he's ran out of chances for me too so i am uh I am on the cut train with Xavier Rhodes uh the next one on my list here is Riley Reef, the left tackle for the vikings he has been up and down he's been a pure roller coaster since he signed with he since he signs with the team in two thousand seventeen uh there have been some very good moments for Reef where he's you know stonewalled defenders and had stretches of four or five games without allowing a sack and then there have been games where he has been. Matt Khalil-esque very bad is what I'm saying if you couldn't catch that hint like a little bit like a turnstile allowing a lot of you know if not sacks uh, definitely pressures there have been there have been some problems there and he's also getting up there in age a little bit too he'll be 31 in 2020 his cap kit for this for this season is 13.2 million dollars and next season is through 13.95 million dollars over the life of those next two years on his contract there's 6.6 million dollars in dead cap so i ask you keep cut or restructure for riley reef
1: i think i go restructure here because reef is like this is what they say a lot about an average left tackle right like you get exposed pretty badly against like elite pass rushers and i think that's come to fruition over the last couple years um but it, an average left tackle is hard to come by a guy that can handle pretty much anybody else besides one of those elite players off the edge. And so with that said, I do think, you know, the base salary he's got of, or the cap hit of what, 13-0 this year, is a little bit high. Um, and I think what you can do is guarantee some of that money for both this year and next year and maybe lower the overall salary. So I, I would decrease his, his cap hit to something like, $8 million probably per year over the next two years, something like that, and then guarantee him both years, something like that. Um, while in the process, either this year or next year, you can maybe draft a left tackle in the first, second, third round and maybe kind of groom that guy to be the Reef replacement.
0: So with Reef, he's an inter- interesting scenario because there's not cl- – in my eyes, there's not one clear-cut answer. Restructure makes a ton of sense. Uh, the only thing with that is that if you're Riley Reef – you know you can still make good money in the open market because, like you said, he is an average left tackle, and those, unfortunately, are hard to come by in this yeah, league. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I'm going to say straight up keep here, and I'll explain why. Uh, you're going to have to pay him $13.2 million. The difference over, with the dead cap, if you were to cut him, is about $8.8 million. If you're going to bring him down this year, and you know, in theory, like Drew said, guarantee more money this year in order to keep him moving forward – that would mean that he's on the roster next season as well. So if you're already unhappy right. with his play, next season would be, you know, theoretically a disaster right. because you're going to have to guarantee him a ton of money next year. Well, as well. this
1: is also coming from my uh, perspective of like going all in on 2020. Right. And by doing right. that, you're kind of you're more or less punting on 2021 when you do that, and so. That's kind of my theory of, okay, well, just give Riley Reef a guaranteed, you know, what his, his cap hits total, you know, combined, the maximum he can get the next two years on this deal is what, like $27 million here. Um, yeah. Give him, like, $20 million of that or $18 million of that or something like that. Guaranteed over the next two years, you know, maybe $8 million this year, $10 million next year. I don't know. Right. Uh, but decrease it for this year. Go all in on 2020 and keep that cap room for something else. That's my thought. But I'm with you in that. You know, he would def- definitely make more probably than the $8 million that I'm suggesting in the open market.
0: So the situation, though, as it pertains to the Vikings specifically and not necessarily Riley Reefs' interest, is that let's say you in my in my kind of my line of thinking here and you pay him the 13.2 this year and you keep him on the roster all the way through the dead cap, you know, doesn't matter at that point. Then you head into next year and you have another decision to make with it, with. With Riley Reef. that enters his year 32 season, and next year he only has 2.2 in dead cap. So the Vikings would be able to save 11.75 million dollars on his contract next year if they don't restructure. So for me, I'm going to say keep him straight up, pay, incur that big cap hit that he's set to, you know, hit the cap with this year, and you play it for next year. You roll the dice again, and the big quest, the big kind of. The big reason behind all of this is who are you gonna start instead of him. Honestly.
1: Oh, it's true. That's 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 a very. It would be
0: the best thing you can he do. He has he
1: has very he has a lot of leverage from that perspective because there's just not another answer.
0: Right. The best thing you could you know the best thing you could do is bring in a bona fide left tackle as a rookie and play him instead of Reef, which probably would look a lot like Reef. Honestly, even the best offensive tackle prospect you could think of off the top of your head, whether it's Werfs or you know the kid from Georgia or whoever you want to pick. Uh, as a bona fide stud left tackle as a rookie, good luck. I don't care who you are. There just aren't that many guys that are really, really good at left tackle as rookies. So you're gonna, the, if,
1: weir- the weird thing is Khalil was a stud as year, and then was bad at that.
0: <laughs> he just he went the reverse, I guess. Um, so ultimately, my plan here is that you draft your offensive tackle this year. That guy sits behind Reef, and then um, yeah. you either make a situation with Brian O'Neal where you move him over to left side and play that guy who would then be a second year player in 2021 on the right side and then you cut Reef you incur that 2.2 million in dead cap and let him hit the open market at 32. That seems like a win all around for everyone in my eyes so I'm gonna go keep on Riley Reef although restructure I I am okay with depending on the numbers and the numbers that Drew kind of futzed with there would make sense theoretically uh, and I would be okay with that as well assuming we're gonna get you know quality play I'm not saying elite play I'm saying quality play for the next two years and that's not something that you can guarantee when you have a guy sign a contract so Mm -hmm. I'm open to either option I'm going keep here Um, next one and probably the last one that really is a true keep cutter restructure is another one that it's going to pull on the heartstrings a little bit and that's Linville Joseph Uh, Linville Joseph I'll give you the deets on his contract here heading into 2020 next year He's got a cap hit of 12.887 and a dead cap of 2.4. So you could do the mental math in your head, about 10.4 in space saved there. Heading into next year, he's got only 1.2 million in dead cap and a cap hit of 12.45. And then he's got a final year in 2022 of 12.5 with no dead cap. So in total, to do all that math for you so you don't have to sit at your cubicle trying to figure that out, it's $3.6 million in dead cap for Linville Joseph for the next three years. It's only two years of incurring penalties. And over the next three years, you have to pay him about $37 million. So yes. that's the situation that he's in. He's 31 heading into 2020. We've seen his – what makes him interesting is that his play has declined, but it hasn't even been average yet. It's still an above-average play from Linville Joseph. It's just not relative to what we've seen from him during his 2017-2018 season when he was arguably the best at his position in the league and didn't get enough credit for that for what it's worth. Um, it's just fallen off a little bit from there. He's not as dominant as a pass rusher, for example. But he's still a great clogger. He still plays the position effectively, and he knows the scheme. So there are a lot of reasons to keep him in terms of his performance. But then you look at the dead cap and the amount of money that you can save. I mean, 36000000 million. You'd save $34 million over the next three years by cutting, right. by cutting Livel Joseph this season.
1: Right. What do you want to do? So... What I think is going to happen is restructure because I like you. Said, I, I think there is something to J- Linval still being. He's still a force, right? Um, right? But I look at all that money that you can save, and I say cut just because of that. And I think even you know, and I again, I keep saying you know, play for twenty twenty, play for twenty twenty. But like that's you're still setting yourself up to for the rebuild if you were to go all in on a twenty by by cutting him here. So, and I think the Vikings do have leverage in this scenario because I think if he were to hit the open market, I don't think he'd get the numbers that are on this chart for Linvall's deal. So um, I think in that scenario, the Vikings have the leverage here. And that's why I think a restructure will be reached because I I do think Linvall, I I think the Vikings still need a nose tackle. I think Zimmer likes to have that nose tackle there uh, in his defense. And that's why I think they'll come together on a deal that's more team friendly. Maybe again, like the way that these go, Little something more guaranteed for Linval in, in this year and potentially next year. Um, and then kind of waiving some of those huge cap hits down the road.
0: So I'm going to say restructure as well. Um, the leverage thing for the Vikings uh, is probably the most important point that you made there. The fact that the Vikings know, and honestly, I'm sure Linval knows as well that he's not going to make anywhere close to $12 million in the open market at 31 years old as a nose tackle. He might get a one or two year deal for seven or eight million, so the Vikings are in a prime restructure situation where both both sides can benefit. You can amp up the dead cap and, you know, in, in theory, give him more guaranteed money over the next two years and restructure potentially that third year as well to give him more money, to give him some guaranteed money in 2022, but bring the overall salary cap number down. So essentially what he's on right now is a three-year, $37 million contract, but without getting too deep into the... the the small figures within the millions here. So three years, 37 million. That means you're paying him about roughly $12.25 million, $12.33 million or so. Uh, You can bring that number down to about 7.5 and then guarantee all of it through his age 33 season. That might not be the most, you know, might not be the smartest decision for 2022, but for 2020, it's going to get you the best possible player to stick into that position and in 2021, it gives you the ultimate kind of guy to teach your rookie how to play, and then you're just overpaying for one year. And with Lin- given Linvel, and if he's able to stay healthy, we've seen the knee issues in the past. We've seen some other injuries and health concerns. But he's a good, like he's a good quality player just by standing there. Honest to God, just by standing there, he's a quality player because of how massive of human being this mm-hmm. is. But and kind of what he offers in terms of. Uh, off the field stuff in terms of being able to coach up these other guys that will come in and you know subsequently follow him in Minnesota, he has that he has that aura to him where you can help like he can help and be beneficial on this team without actually being super effective as a pass rusher. So I think he makes sense as a restructure candidate because. If you restructure the final three years of his deal to just give him more guaranteed money, this situation makes a ton of sense for that because of the leverage the Vikings have, but because of the leverage that Joseph also has in the sense that he definitely wa- I mean, he, he definitely could still make money on the open market. He will be signed if the Vikings cut him.
1: Oh, he'll be signed. I just don't think he would get the numbers that no, he would not. on on this deal, whereas, whereas I think with Reef it's different. I think Reef could get something similar to
0: right. what the I agree. Vikings are
1: paying him on the open market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is a prime restructure candidate, and I think that it makes sense for both sides to, to do that because I think Lindvell's is aware that heading into 2021, if he goes up there with a $12.45 million contract and only one point two million guaranteed, he's a, pri- like he's a prime cut target for next season if he doesn't restructure right now. So to me, Lindvell Joseph makes the most sense to the restructure. I don't see any reason to cut him straight up other than just – because, th- again, this is another situation. What, what are you, who are you going to put there? I don't. I don't know. I mean, are you gonna move Odenigbo inside and just not have a clogger then? Because then you have to bring back Shamar Stephan, No, Then you
1: rely, you're relying on Steph and you're relying on Juelle Johnson. You're probably drafting a guy pretty high too. So, and I. I, I don't hate that because I, I do think, um, with, I think Joseph was pretty. I mean, he was. He took a step back, right? Um, sure. Quite a bit, and the Vikings were toasted on in a few games, uh, and runs up the middle. Uh, you know, I think back to the Chiefs game with Matt Moore starting. Uh, the Chiefs won that game with a long touchdown run by uh, Damian Williams. You had the Seattle game where um, you know Chris Carson just toasted the Vikings up the middle all game. Aaron Jones in both Packers games ran all over the Vikings. So uh, I, I think stopping the run up the middle hasn't really been a huge problem for the Vikings, except for this year. And I think Lindvall's kind of drop off there was sort of a part of that. So I don't think I, it's one of those where I think. Um, I think trying different things, bringing different guys, might be just the. It might be beneficial because I'm not sure how much worse it's going to really get. You know, right. uh, and something needs to happen I, here. Something it needs to sounds happen. really, really harsh on Lindvall, and I don't mean it that way. But that's that's just kind of my perspective on it.
0: When you look at the numbers here, they simply just don't add up. That's it's not harsh. That's just facts. Like they, you can't. Again, it's the same thing with Rhodes. You can't pay a guy prime dollar when he's not playing. Prime. Like a prime player. Exactly. You, you just, you can't. And when you look at the dead cap numbers, it simply makes too much sense to either cut or restructure him. But given the Viking situation, I'm going restructure, Drew's going restructure. And that will bring us to our final candidate here, who I'm sure you guys will love to hear. And that's Harrison Smith. Shockingly enough, um, let me first explain why he even qualifies for this list. Uh, the main thing is the fact that he's making $10.75 million next year, and his dead cap is only $2 million, and he's under contract through only 2021 and has zero guaranteed money on his contract next season. So that makes him, in theory, a restructured candidate just kind of inherently based off of where the contract is in itself. Okay? The other thing being is the safety position. You're going to lose Anthony Harris, uh, probably, you know, I think we've. I've essentially came to the conclusion I'm dealing with it in my own way. That Anthony Harris is going to be gone. So you need to have. You basically need to have Harrison Smith, unless you want to have, have a. You know, uh, unless you want to have a complete disaster in your secondary next year. Harrison Smith needs to be on this team. So yep. the only options here really are keep or restructure. And he is a restructure candidate simply because of the way his deal pans out over the next two years. Vikings are set to pay him 21 million dollars for the next two seasons. Only two million dollars in dead cap. That means by cutting him they'd save $19 million, which is more than enough money to bring in a replacement. Now, is it going right. to give you Harrison Smith? No, it's not. He's only 31. He's the guy that seems like the type of player who will be able to be successful, a la Charles, Charles Woodson maybe, until he's 34, 35 years old, As like, no matter what. I don't have any qualms about his play. I, I can see a little bit of a drop-off from, say, 2017 when he probably peaked, but he's still at the very top of yeah. his position. He's still Ar- an elite player, which is why Absolutely.
1: I'm, I'm keeping him. And I don't see like it's. He had a a, a historically great season. Uh, I think PFF ranked as the best in the PFF era at safety in 2017, right? So it's natural that a guy would maybe decline after that, especially since he was, you know, what that was his fifth or sixth year. So right, um, he's still an elite player. I think it's, you know, we talk about instincts all the time, and I think that's for him why he'll be good for a long time is because instinctually he's just better than everybody else and so you can rely on that a lot more for a lot longer than you can athleticism or quickness uh at safety so i think you keep him at that current deal and i think between like when i when i was you know restructure reef you cut while you cut roads that right there can free up a ton of space uh that you can use to you know get somewhat aggressive in free agency and then bring in some draft picks as well
0: so with Harrison Smith, I'm going to use secret door number four, and I'm going to say restructure extension, because I think that what you need to do with Harrison Smith, and he's the type of guy, he fits with the, cha- the kind of the Chad Greenway narrative, he's a forever Viking, I mean, this guy just bleeds purple, and I think every single Vikings fan in the nation will go to bat that he's one of the best safeties of this generation despite the fact that he's gotten very little publicity for the achievements that he's had throughout his career. I'm saying extend him again, but restructure the deal so that it makes more sense for this year, because then down the line you can re-situate with Kirk Cousins in the future, depending on how he performs this year. But you can be safe knowing that Harrison Smith is probably going to be on this roster for four more years, so I'm going to add two years to the deal and restructure the current figure so that the the, dead, the the salary cap hit goes down for this season and goes up somewhere else. Because if you're truly going to hit a rebuilding phase, assuming Kirk Cousins hits a wall and the Mike Zimmer era comes to a, comes to a conclusion after this season, you're going to be perfectly fine paying you know Harrison Smith $8 million during your rebuilding phase because he's going to be a key component of building towards that next generation. He may not want to be there, but he's he's a valuable asset you just in his mind. If you pay
1: him enough, he'll want to be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying add two years to his deal, change up these last two years here so that cap hits a little bit different and sits it fits the Vikings' current situation better. Uh, but ultimately, I see him in purple for the rest of his career. I think he, I think he dies a Viking. That's just that's my perception on Harrison Smith. He does, the guy that, the guy doesn't talk enough for me to really have much of a different perception. But that's where I, that's what I see with him. I don't see him going anywhere. I don't see cut as even a real option. I think that even, you know, even the most ridiculous Vikings fans out there are probably listening to this short segment and thinking there's no way in hell we would cut Harrison Smith. And you're right, but. The fact of the matter is that restructuring could really help this team, but at the same time, uh, you don't want to restructure with a guy that has been still perform. He's still worth his 10.75 by
1: at least, probably at least,
0: at least. Um, but to benefit the team, and that's something that you know we have seen career Vikings do in the past, it brings up the possibility. So, uh, for our money here, Xavier Rhodes is a cut. Linville Joseph is a soft cut, meaning that Drew Drew is okay with cutting him. Eileen more restructure uh, with Riley Reef uh, we both, we both kind of stick in the in the restructure, keep territory, and Harrison Smith is firmly on keep, potentially opening up secret door number four with a B in extension. So that's where we stand with keep, cut, and restructure, heading into free agency next year. Um, like I told you guys at the top of the show, I'll repeat it once again. Uh, we'll get deeper into free agency, try and talk ourselves into some names that might make sense for the Vikings, and also um, hopefully we'll have some news and more um, ideas of what, what direction the Vikings are going to go uh, with some of these guys here Ala reef Rhodes, joseph smith etc harris um, we'll get some more answers heading into free agency with that beginning next week and then we'll start focusing more on prospects and um, breaking down the idea of bringing in some some youths into the vikings system uh, so that's the game plan for next week as always thank you for listening you can find us on itunes stitcher um, all the other places that you normally listen to your podcast i believe we're actually on spotify now too so if you lo- prefer listening to your podcast there it's there um Daily Norseman, you can find the show there. Make sure to leave a comment in the comment section if you haven't already. Uh, You can watch us on YouTube if you prefer to watch your podcasts. Uh, It's still available there. And I think I've covered all my bases. Oh, Climbing the Pocket, make sure to check out the rest of the network. Uh, They all do great shows throughout the season. Uh, If you like us, you'll probably like them. And if you don't like us, you'll probably like them more. So there's that. Um, Thank you for listening as always, and we will catch you guys later. Well, We'll catch you guys next week.